Hi, this is Holly Crevo, the host of Chillin' Grace, the lifestyle podcast for child-free women chilling in their truth and gracefully inspiring others to do the same. As a certified coach who works with child-free women to step boldly into their choice of being child-free, it's always been super important for me to showcase women doing just that. There's so many inspiring, bold, courageous, awesome women out there leading fulfilling lives as child-free women, and it's important for us to speak our truth to inspire others to do the same. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed today's guest just as much as I did. Welcome to episode seven of Chill and Grace. It is February 25th, and if you are like me, you are probably thinking, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it's already March. <laughs> um, I know January seems to take forever, and February goes in a blink of an eye, so I feel like by the time March happens, it's time seems to balance out a little. And I talked a little bit about this on Instagram, about how I am just hyper-focused on time. And I know it's because we are here in Norway, our time is for a year, so we have a finite amount of time here to really explore and live this expat life. And from the moment we got this assignment, um, people are asking, you know, what are you most wanting to do? What are, What's on your bucket list? And I honestly, there were things I wanted to do and see and, and experience, but my main goal was to go home with no regrets, to not think of the time wasted or not taken, maybe not even wasted, not take it full advantage of, or things that we wish we would have done and we didn't. So that was really my main goal is to go home with no, I wish we would have. And so far we're really honoring that. Um, our weekends are pretty much scheduled out. We kind of have something to do every weekend during the week. We're going to events and meeting people and it's very purposeful for us to, um, have that schedule so that we can experience everything. Because if you're like me, a day goes by and then another day and things happen. And before you know it, a month's passed and you haven't really done anything you wanted to do. Um, and here's the thing. I'm not saying it's, you know, balls to the wall every day. Um, we definitely have our weekends where it's like we read our books and bakes, but it's intentional. It's that using that time, um, to kind of reinvigorate ourselves in a moment of self-care because it is kind of busy and everything's a little harder when you're in a new country. Um, so I just wanted to share how that's been really helpful for me to wake up every day thinking, what do I want to experience today? What do I want to go to bed knowing that I did? Um, some days it's not always sexy stuff. Some days it's just going to a couple stores to find what I need to cook or doing some work. But just being intentional every day, because you may not be in a foreign country, you may not have a finite time to do something or whatever that looks like for you, but time goes by so quick. Um, I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard a million times before, but just that consciousness of how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. How we wake up every day and what we do is going to affect you know, what we accomplish at the end of our, at the end of our days. So I just wanted to share where I'm at with that and, um, just kind of encourage you to look at your life and think of what are you not paying attention to? What are you tolerating in your life that is not um, allowing you to really go after what you need to? Um, like I said, I'm not even close to 80% at all of this, but I'm still a work in progress. But it's just so important for me to remember that how I spend every day is going to equate into how this whole year looks like for me. Um, so yeah, so I'd really encourage you to do that. If that's something you're kind of working through, you want some encouragement, some support, reach out. I'd love to give you a complimentary session. You can just email me at holly at hollycrevo.com for a session and we will kind of talk through what that looks like for you.
But yeah, so today's episode is with Krista Dugan Kerr. I have known Krista since probably the early 2000s. We met in Lubbock, Texas, and her life when we, I mean, everybody's life changes, but when her life, when I met her is completely different where she is now. Um, she is a child-free woman had, you know, she'll really get into this, but was married, went through a divorce, has, you know, now remarried, but we really talk about for somebody who has always had a plan. I joked that she probably came out of the womb with like a checklist of things she needed to get done. Like I need to get my nursery all fixed up. I need to buy my siblings or, you know, she, she's an older sibling, but anywho, um, she's just all, and she's very, very driven and has really kind of done what everybody wants her to. It was important for her to follow along the guidelines of what society and her family and her community wanted for her, but that wasn't what she wanted. And so she really talks very openly about how her decision to be child-free kind of spurred her, her divorce of her first marriage. Um, but how her life is so much fuller now. And I think this story is very common out there is that we live a life on, you know, a list of what we need to do, checking off the boxes, but that's not what we want. So this is, I think is a great story of somebody who realized that made the change despite how much it was and how, or excuse me, how hard it was and how full her life is. So I hope you enjoy. I am here today with Krista Dugan Kerr. Krista, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. So I, we've known, I've known Krista probably almost, uh, not 20 years, at least over about 15 years and very close friends, a uh, part of each other's lives. But I don't know that we've ever really had this conversation about um, choice to be child-free, what that looks like. So I'm super excited to spend some time with you and um, have this conversation. Well, yeah, absolutely. And actually, I think we have been friends over 20 years. Um, oh, it's, I know, it's crazy. But um, no, I don't think, you know, you, you knew me at a different point in life and then an even more different point in life now. So it's um, the transition has, has definitely been a, an interesting one. Absolutely. And I think, well, we met what we were like three. So that makes sense that it's been about exactly, years. exactly. <laughs> yeah, just babies. Sure. <laughs> so I introduced you a little before we hopped on, but just maybe share a little bit more with whoever's listening about who you are, your family life, uh, kind of just a quick elevator pitch on Krista. Sure. Um, I, I'm 41 years old. I live in Dallas with my husband, Andrew. We've been married for about coming up on five years this year. I um, grew up in Lubbock, which is where you and I um, uh, connected and, and became friends. My, I'm the oldest of, of three kids. My mom and my brother and sister are all in the Austin area. I'm actually the only one that's not there. Um, my, I actually lost my father when I was 13 and it's just kind of been the four of us as, as long as, as I can remember. So I, I do work in healthcare. I'm a regional sales manager for a national hospice company and spend a lot of my time traveling and on the road. And, um, that's, that's kind of me. I have two dogs that are, that are my babies and that takes up most of my time, my husband, my job and my dogs. I love it. Very well-rounded. And when you, you're not giving yourself enough credit, you are like the dog whisperer. You like take care of all the dogs. So <laughs> it's, yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I do. I, I do. I do love the babies. I do love the babies. I do love the babies. So, you know, you're a child-free woman. You talked about, you know, you're part of a big family. Tell me what it was like growing up for you and maybe your earliest perception of you being a mom, what that was like. You know, I think 
just to be totally candid, my earliest perception of me being a mom was probably when my dad died. And whether it was conscious or subconscious, I knew I was the oldest child. And so my brother and sister, I, I always felt a need to, to watch over them and to take care of them. And, and they're both extremely flourishing, independent, self, you know, self-sufficient individuals today. But I think just looking back now, whether it, I, I definitely think it was subconscious. I don't think it was conscious at all, but that's, if you want to look back at my life of being a mother, it was probably losing my dad at such a young age because I was 13. My brother was 11 and my sister was nine. Maybe I think she'd just turned 10. So, you know, I think just kind of the roles that, that life puts you in just, mm-hmm. well, you know, by choice or not by choice. Yeah. So it sounds like you were kind of the oldest one. So you kind of, it was you and your mom kind of leading the charge for your siblings and just your family unit. Yeah. And I think that's also whether my dad had died or not. I think that I'm very atypical oldest child. And, you know, I, I think that I would have fallen into that role regardless, but the fact Mm -hmm. of losing a parent so young, I think it was definitely um, probably amped up more than um, it would have been had I had two parents. Oh my gosh, that makes perfect sense. Liz, I, like you said, being that oldest, you probably would have stepped into that, but it was just a little more heightened that you're just, you know, were, had one parent. Was that, did you enjoy that role at that age? Was it something that you felt um, kind of came naturally to you? Oh, I definitely think it came natural. I don't think that I, it, it was just normal. It wasn't something mm. that I enjoyed or I didn't enjoy. It was just, it was just the role that, that I played. And so it, looking back, I don't, I don't think, I mean, yeah, there were times when it was like, Kara, load the dishwasher. Kyle, you need to pick up your room. That's because also too, I was thinking about, you know, my mom was single and working and in the back of my mind, it was, I don't want her to come home to a dirty house and have to continue to work. So I took on that role. And, mm-hmm. you know, so was it, was it a pain sometimes? Yes. But did I, did I resent it or did I not like it? No, it just, it was just kind of like getting up and brushing your teeth. It's just, it's just what you did. Mm-hmm. No, that makes perfect sense. And how do you feel like that shifted into maybe when you were getting to the age where you were actually starting to think about having your own children? You know, I've, I've always been a, a rule follower, always been a list maker, always been the one that's had a plan. Um, you know, my husband always laughs and says, you know, Krista, I know if I told you that I needed 37 pencils, I would come home at the end of the, the day and you would have 37 pencils lined up on the counter for me. You know, mm-hmm. for me, it was, I, I fell into this trap very early of, oh, and probably because of losing a parent that I always had a plan for my life. And my plan literally was to get married. I got married at 25. So I was going to have kids by the time I was 27 and I was going to be done having kids by the time I was 30. And so I think being one, being the oldest child, but also two, going through losing a parent so young, I think by planning and trying to have a list and be organized my entire life, I think that gave me security. And Mm -hmm. so that translated into my first marriage of how I was going to play that out. And (laughs) as we all know, it didn't work out that way. But, um, and I also learned a very hard lesson that you can't live your life by a list. Mm, I love that. Can't live your life by a list. And you mentioned you felt is a hard lesson. (laughs) Yeah. And you mentioned you had fell into a trap. What do you mean by kind of 
what do you mean by that? You know, I think growing up in West Texas, which there, there were so many great things about West Texas, um, but I think growing up there, it's it's a very um, conservative community. I went to a, um, a very conservative university, and through that, I, again, whether it's conscious or subconscious, you'll hear me say that a lot, it was really, I feel like, ingrained into to all of us on some level. You go to college, you get your degree, you meet a good man, you get married, you have children, you work or you don't work, you raise your kids, you go to church, you, you check all the boxes. And and I, um, and I want to preface this with the fact that I married a very good man. We were just, we should have stayed friends from the beginning. He's a very good man. We parted very amicably. Um, but we we were mismatched from the beginning and should we wanted different things. And unfortunately we figured that out later on down the line, but for both of us, and I say this a lot, we both looked good on paper when we, when we got married and then when we got into the marriage and that was something honestly in about the fourth year of the marriage, I started realizing I didn't know if I wanted kids. And that was a very hard realization because I knew that he did. And so then enters the inner turmoil of, I have misled this person. I have, I shouldn't have ever, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have gotten into this. No, not knowing what I really wanted when he knew what he really wanted. So it, it caused a, a lot of inner turmoil. And, but I think that I fell into that trap of needing to check all the boxes of what everybody thought I should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that, that it was a very hard place to be and a really hard place to kind of come out of. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Cause like, and I know, I mean, I know you very well and you are an overachiever, list maker, <laughs> get crap done type of ladies. So I'm sure when that started to come up, that just kind of threw everything off kilter for you. Absolutely. It's when you think you, when I thought I had this whole plan of what my mm-hmm. life was going to be and how it was going to play out. And then all of a sudden one day realizing when it wasn't, that was, that was a real game changer for me mm-hmm. and really having to shift my life's perspective and also too on how, how I was going to live my life going forward. Right. So when you were getting married at 25, um, you, you know, you had mentioned conscious or subconscious, how conscious were you of the decisions you were making in your life? I was conscious of getting married and marrying a good man. You know, like I said, he was a very good man and I knew he would be a good husband. I knew at that point I thought I wanted children. I knew he'd be an amazing father. I knew he came from a great family, but I don't think I thought past that. I don't think Mm. I thought past what does all that mean together? You know, individually, Mm. all of those things are amazing, but what does that mean all together and wrapped up in a marriage with you and another person? And so was very, very conscious of, of what I was doing, but I also, in the back of my mind, knew I wasn't making the right decision. And mm-hmm. that was also, and I didn't, that was something I had to come to terms to down the road. Right, right. So, you know, you said you were, so you were what, like 29 or so when you kind of realized, hey, I don't want kids. Is that mm-hmm. about right? Mm-hmm. What, what was that? Like, what spurred that for you? How did that kind of come up for you? You know, my husband and I were, were going through a difficult time. We'd actually separated. He worked for an organization that was faith-based and they came to us and asked us if we would, uh, they would pay for us to attend this marriage retreat. And, um, I did not want to go. I actually had a, an adult temper tantrum and, um, he finally came to me and said, Krista, it's the CEO of the company. I I need you to do this for me. So begrudgingly, I went to this retreat and (laughs) 
it actually ended up being one of the very best things that we ever did for ourselves. It had the absolute reverse effect of what they wanted, but it really made us um, stand up and, and deal with some issues that were going on between us. And one of the exercises that they had us do is it was us and I believe five other couples. It's very small, very intimate. And you, you had to stand up in front of the group with your spouse and tell them something about yourself that maybe they didn't know or something that you were struggling with and something that felt that maybe was a barrier in the marriage. If I remember correctly, this was over 10, 12 years ago now. And, and I remember I, I had to look him in the eye and I, and I told him, I said, I don't think I want to have children. And mm. it was, it was very raw. It was very emotional, but it was the first time that I had said it out loud. And it, um, it was, it, it was, it was very freeing, but I also know it was also a very painful moment. And because like I said, I knew that I had led him down this path and mm -hmm. we believed that we were going to have X, Y, and Z and all, and in one fell swoop, I was taking that away. Mm. Well, I commend you for being so brave to do it at that moment. Cause I'm sure that was extremely hard to do. It was, it, it was very raw. It was very, um, it was very emotional and, you know, and, and, God bless him. He was so kind and understanding. I mean, I, he was, he was very, um, he, he was very, I, I, the only way I know to say it, he was very kind in, in how, and how he accepted it. And, you know, that to me, that, that piece of it, I will always, always be so thankful to him because he, it could have gone an entirely separate direction. Mm, yeah. So what I think, you know, you had mentioned you, he was very kind, a very good man. So it's, one of those situations where maybe that relationship had served its purpose and it was time mm -hmm. for people to go. He never, a... he never made me feel bad about that decision. And I appreciate mm -hmm. that because that has not been the case. I mean, as you know, and you've discussed in the other podcast, that hasn't been the case for other people. And he, he was very, um, he, he never, he never once made me feel guilty about it. Talking to, you know, going, you're going to a Christian conservative school, growing up in a more conservative place. Did your faith or your religion ever come into account when you're kind of thinking through having kids or not? You know, it, it really didn't other than, um, you know, it's, it's hard. I had, I have a, you know, my grandparents, very conservative, very, very religious. I think it was that was the hardest part for them was, you know, it, I, I think that they really believe, especially my grandfather, that that, that was the role that I'm supposed to play. I'm supposed mm -hmm. to have children. That's, that's my role in life. And that, that's the only time I ever felt that piece of it come in was in, in the, in the religious realm was, you know, my grandfather, he, he's, he's 95 years old. He really believes that that's, that's what I'm supposed to do as a woman. And I think it was very hard for him to understand when I didn't make that choice. Mm. No, yeah, that makes the different, the generally generational divide um, of maybe what he thought and then what you wanted for your life. He used to, in my first marriage, when we would all get together and before we would have dinner, he would literally, he would pray. And at one point he prayed out loud that by this time next year, Krista would be pregnant. And God bless my uncle. I, my uncle finally had to tell him, you, you have to stop. You, you have to stop mm -hmm. doing that. Because at that point, I thought I did want kids, number one. But two, that's also pressure. 
and feeling like you're not living up to the standard of what people believe that you're supposed to do that that was very that was very difficult and oh, I don't yeah, think like, he was doing it to I think if he thought he hurt me it would he would hate that it's just he thought he was being funny and it it's it's a very for that generation I don't think that they realize it's such a personal choice mm, yes absolutely well and two like you said even if what if you were really trying and you couldn't have the baby it's such a personal thing to reference <laughs> from the <Exactly>. outside <laughs> yeah. you know and so it seems to me like this was kind of the first decision that spurred maybe, you know, your divorce and then kind of all these boxes that you thought you had checked and aligned kind of started to fall aside. What was that like for you? Oh, my life I felt was completely off kilter. You know, I, I didn't know what direction I was going. I have always been, like I said, I have always had a plan and I, I think for after that happened, I made a, a choice within 30 days to leave um, Lubbock and move to Austin, which anybody who knows me, you included, will know that I don't make decisions like that that fast. Mm -hmm. I, I have to think about it and do the pros and cons and, and really figure it out. And I made a decision I was leaving and I was going to change to change the, the direction of my life. And part of that was that my ex-husband and I were in the same town. We both relatively worked in the same industry, and I knew that if we were going to have a fair shot at moving on with our lives, one of us had to leave. And I, I knew he wouldn't leave. His family was there. And so at that point, I just, I made a very bold move in my life and up and moved to Austin. And, you know, my brother was, was a part of that, getting, you know, he, you know, come down here, your niece and nephew are down here you can be close to, you know, don't you want to be a part of their lives and watch them grow up? And so that made it easier. My sister had just relocated down there and my mom, my mom and I actually moved within the same month. So, you know, going, navigating to my support system was, was a big help, but moving to Austin, that was a, that was such a game changer for me. I was leaving the conservative protection of West Texas. You know, everything that I had been taught and seen was, was being challenged, especially in the fact that I was divorced and I was 30 years old. But having to start over and completely changing careers, um, which also turned out to be probably one of the best decisions I ever made for my life. But that it was it was very difficult. But at the same time, I remember, you know, a conversation with my sister later and she said, for the first time, I feel like I'm getting to know the real you because I have always lived according to everybody else's standards. And for the first time I wasn't, I was living by my standards. It was going to do what I wanted to do and not check the boxes. Mm. I love that. How did that feel when you had that moment of like, oh my gosh, for the first time I'm doing playing by my rules. You know, I mean, it was, it was freeing, but it was also scary because mm. all of a sudden I'm living outside the, outside the lines and I'd never lived outside the lines. And so I think anytime that you go against your norm and who you are, it's, there's also a level of fear that, that comes with that. But, you know, as I pushed through it, I felt more of that fear subside and I, and I felt more empowerment and mm. it, it was definitely a transition. I, I'd say it was close to a two year transition, but that eventually the empowerment overrode the fear. Oh, I love that empowerment overrode the fear. And I think that's a really good thing to talk about is when we, go off the norm and you make a decision that's different than everybody else's, it's definitely not as safe, right? It's a little safer to say, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have two kids. I'm going to have this corporate job, buy a house. And I'm, that's just the path. But you kind of threw that all out the window 
and had to kind of not start from scratch. You still had your skills, but kind of start from scratch your new life. Oh, I was a hundred percent starting from scratch. You know, everything that I had set out for my life had changed. So I was, and I remember saying that I'm completely starting over. I'm starting over. And this is not real. I remember I, you know, I'd had a house in Lubbock when I was married. And when I moved to Austin, I had to live in an apartment. And I was such an unpleasant person during that time because I remember telling my mom, I've taken a step back. I feel like I've taken a step back. This is not where I'm supposed to be. But and when you're in the thick of it, it doesn't feel like that. But now 10 years away from it, I see that that time was was such a good time for me and was such a good time to, to rebuild and figure out who I wanted to be. Do you think you could have done th- that rebuilding if you would have stayed in Lubbock? No, I don't. I think Lubbock is is too small. I think that Lubbock is, um, like I said, there's so many great things about, about Lubbock, but there were, there's people definitely have specific expectations of what people should be and what their life should be. And unfortunately my divorce came with a lot of, of repercussion and a lot of, and I think as any divorce does, people choose sides and, mm-hmm. you know, sadly, um, my, my husband was a, a very quiet, genteel person and I'm, I was the outspoken, the, the one that was in front of people all the time. So it was easier to vilify me than it was him. And so that piece of it was, was very, very difficult being in that area and that arena. So I felt like to have a fresh start and to, to really be who I wanted to be that I, I couldn't be there anymore. Mm. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. That's kind of where all the the fallout happened. So okay, get away and start new. So you talked a little bit about like your grandfather, how, you know, you're the oldest of three kiddos. What's it been like for you as your siblings have created their families? You know, that in itself has, has probably been the greatest blessing for me because, you know, they, Kyle and Kara have both been so generous with me and, and their spouses, Marta and Nick of allowing their children to, to essentially be my children on some level, Mm -hmm. you know, they are, they are both so generous with me and so, you know, willing to let me play a part in those kids' lives. And for me, that fills my cup, you know, that's the, I mean, their kids are the axis that my world spins on and that's, that's enough for me, but that, you know, them, I will say when, when my sister got pregnant initially, that was very hard on me and it wasn't, it wasn't that I was mad that she was pregnant. I had just gone through my divorce and my life had uprooted and it just felt like, you know, she's four years younger than me. And in that moment, it felt like she's getting everything she's ever wanted. And I am here basically treading water and just trying to survive. But I will say that through, through Charlie, my niece being born, that was, Charlie honestly was one of the most healing factors of, of my life because I was in such a horrible place in that moment. And to be there when Charlie was born and when, when I got to hold her right after she was born, I mean, it was, it, I, I can't describe it. it. It was such a healing factor. And it's, it was the same way when my, when my brother's uh, little boy was born last year. And it was so amazing because I got to be there for both of those. I didn't get to be there for my older ones, for, for Darby and Sutton, Kyle's older kids. Cause they didn't, I didn't live in the same town. But to be able to share that and experience that with my brother and sister and to be able to be there when those children are born and hold them right after and to be a part of them, that is such an all-encompassing 
love for me and it's that that's enough for me it it fills my cup Mm -hmm. well and I know you you said they're very generous you're a very generous aunt and I know that they are they love you so much you're just a very involved you're like a second third parent I know that they are very lucky to have you as well you know and talking about I'm crazy about all of them Aw, do you think that if, you know, it's hard to know because you can't totally guess this, um, would you have had desire, do you think you would have missed out on having kids if you wouldn't have had your nieces and nephews? I, I think it's one of those things you you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, you know, fundamentally you think that, yes, if I didn't have them, I mean, yeah, that that's just something that, you know, is, you know, in front of you that, that you don't have, but I don't think I would have known what I know now about what an amazing feeling it is to have them. I think fundamentally I would have thought that, but I wouldn't have really understood what it was not to have them. Mm, No, that makes perfect sense. And how do you feel like you maybe, do you feel like you mother them in your own way? Sometimes I think it just depends. Um, You know, I, I mean, I guess I think I think it's different with each kid. You know, Darby's 15, 16 years old. She she doesn't really need a lot of that. And Darby is so, so self-sufficient. You know, Sutton is just a boy and he's all boy. And, you know, I, I think with with, with rambunctious boys, at, they at some point you everybody has to step in and do that um, with with Charlie. I, I don't know. I mean, she's I guess I've just always been aware of that line of that. I'm not the parent. But I, I am the aunt, and if I'm here if they need me. But I, I don't really think of myself as, as mothering them until they, until they come to me and really need that advice and need, need that help. I, I'm very aware of, the, of that line, and I, I try not to cross it unless it's very, very, um, very valid and then it needs to right. be crossed. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. You know, and so, you, you know, you talked about, you know, you kind of rebuilt your life, right, from ground zero, you know, ground zero and when you were about, what, like 30-ish, probably. Mm-hmm. Talk now about how full your life is after you were really conscious of making the decisions that worked for you. You know, I think it was just a, a new confidence um, ensued. You know, I was okay with who I was. I was, mm. I was okay not being with someone, you know, my my husband always laughs because I, I always say, you know, I was, I was okay alone and I was, and it was because I was, I was okay with who Krista was at that point. I was living my life doing what I wanted to do while also being a part of my family and the kids and being there for the, for the births of, of, you know, of Charlie and later down the line, even though I was married, being there for Atticus, you know, I had, I had just found a renewed strength in being Krista and being okay with who Krista was, even if that didn't maybe follow all of the norms of what mm. everybody expected it to be. Right. No, I love that. And do, what would you, what advice would you give to somebody maybe that is in, you know, the shoes you were in that they're like, uh, like, how did you help build? How would, I'm sorry, how would you suggest somebody to kind of rebuild that confidence when they're finding their new norm? You know, I think it's, I think it's a, a day by day thing. You know, you can't, you can't come down and live your life by a list. You can't say, okay, this is where I am. This is where I'm going to be six months from now. You have to take each day in stride and realize that it's going to come. And at some point, one day, you're going to wake up and realize I'm here and, and I've made it and I feel like I'm, I'm in a better place. But I think if you, if you try and set a list and a timeline for your life, you're, you're going you're gonna to die on the vine like, like I was doing. 
So I think the best advice I would give is throw the list out and try new things and get out of get out of the color outside the lines. Try things that you haven't tried. Associate with people that maybe you haven't associated with before. Go new places. You know, do things that are outside of what of what was your your previous norm and then find what fits for you. You know, find what works for you. What's something that if you would have told 30-year-old Krista that she would be doing this now that you would just she would have been shocked by? Like what's the biggest change do you think for you over the past 10 years? I definitely think who I married. Um, mm. you know, I, oh, I let's remember talk about I started... him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my husband is is 18 years older than me. Um, he is he is an accountant. He is he's everything I never ever thought I would end up with. He is the last person I thought it would be. And I remember, you know, telling my mom and my sister that I was dating him. And I remember my sister saying, Krista, what what you've been doing hasn't been working. Maybe this is who we've been waiting on. Mm-hmm. And so and she was right. She was absolutely right. I have I have always needed someone who's older than me, someone who can stand up to me and who is also completely confident in who they are. And, you know, that's definitely, I think if you had told me at 30 years old, you're going to marry someone who's 18 years older than you, who's an accountant. Um, I would have been like, you've, I, I don't, I think you've lost your mind. I'm sorry. Are you talking to me or somebody behind me? That's not me. Exactly. Because, <laughs> but I do have to say that Andrew is not your atypical accountant. And, and obviously no disrespect to accountants out there, but Andrew has personality plus, and he is not at all what, what I envisioned when, when I found out he was an accountant CFO. <laughs> yes. He's, he's extra. He's extra. Yeah, on every level. <laughs> on every level. So do you, how do you think that maybe even subconsciously, or maybe thought, was it a relief to fall in love who you, who you want to spend the rest of your life with and find out that maybe they were to spot in their life. They didn't want kids as well. You know, I, it it was, but I will tell you, Andrew is such a remarkable human being. I mean, he was, I think Andrew was 53 when we got together and that conversation came up and and Andrew has two children. They're, they're grown. Um, His daughter is 32 and his son is, is 24. And when we got together, they were, um, you know, Jack was still in high school and Katie was finishing medical school. And I remember we had a conversation and he said, if you wanted children, he said, I wouldn't tell you no. He said, if that's a deal breaker, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I appreciated that. You know, he, I, Andrew, I'm sure. And I, I mean, I know Andrew felt he was done having children, but he didn't want to take that opportunity away from him. Fortunately, I was at a point in my life where I had already made that decision, but I, it made me love him even more that he was willing to say, if this is something you want, regardless of the age difference and how, and how cliche we will be, that <laughs> I, um, I, I would never take that away from you. Mm, yes. What a, oh, he's such a stand-up guy. And, you know, what do you, like, do you think, or not do you think, would, um, when he did say that, did it make you pause for a minute because you had found somebody who was so matched for you and you were so confident in who you were, did it give you pause to think maybe this is something I want because it is the right time and I'm with the right person? No, it didn't. I had, I had come to terms with that decision long ago that I, I, that I was okay with it. So that, that was never, that, that was never part of the, part of the decision for me. And I mean, obviously you talked, well, you talked a little bit about, you know, just the career path you've had and you were just highly successful powerhouse, 
has your decision to be trial free came into play any time throughout your professional career? You know, it's interesting. Andrew and I have, have talked about that before. And, you know, he was actually, he was insightful to me with a perception that he had about me that I hadn't thought about, but he was exactly spot on. You know, I, I am someone who has always lived my life at 150%. No matter what I was doing, I was throwing myself into it 150%. And one day, Andrew was very astute about it. And he said, I don't think that he said, I think one of the reasons that you never had children was, I think it would have been very hard on you either way. And what he meant when he said that was, if you had had children, you would have felt like you weren't living up to your potential in your career. If you mm. felt like if you had children and you were working, you would have felt like you weren't living up to your potential as a mother and you weren't giving that your all. So either way, I would have felt like I wouldn't have felt like I was giving giving my all to one or the other. And whether and again, like I said, conscious or subconscious, I think he's right. I think I knew that very early on that for me, it would have had to have been either or. And mm -hmm. I, I have great respect for working mothers. I look at them sometimes and I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it all because I see so many successful women that have these amazing careers and have raised children. And, and I just think, I don't think I have, I don't think I could have done that. I don't think I would have had that stamina. I don't think I could be everything to all people. And I know like anybody else in anything else, you, you do what you're faced with in life and the choices that you make. But I knew myself well enough to know that unless I could give 150% to both sides, I was never going to feel like I was living up to my potential. Right. Which, and has that been something, because I mean, I've known you for a long time and know, heard stories. Is that something that's always, have you always been a very type A overachiever? 100%. Like your whole life? Like since like you 100%. came out just like with a list, like just like. I did. You know, when <laughs> I sang in a, I sang in a production in college and my uncle was in it when I was four years old. And when I was four years old, my mom took me to see him in it. And I told her, I said, I'm going to do that someday. Well, fast forward, you know, 18 years later and I was doing it. So, I mean, I was setting goals for myself at four years old. Hey, it's never too early to be a goal setter. Right. And it's a, like you said, so it's now, now what are your goals? Like what goals do you have ahead of you now? What's important? You know, to I'm. You? I'm, I'm very happy in, in my career and in my, and obviously I've, I'm married to a great man and we, we have a great life together. And I just, I want to stay on that path. I want to continue to grow in my career and be successful. And, you know, I, and uh, while also being a support system and, and a wife to him, you know, we've, I feel like we've, we finally hit a, um, a, a stable path in that with, with both of our, you know, we've made some job changes and I, I'm just ready for, that to continue to be, to be smooth. Mm, that's awesome. Any advice you would have? I know you kind of talked about really being true to who you are and not just checking a list. Any other advice you have maybe for a woman out there who's kind of afraid to step into this truth of kind of saying, I don't want kids and this is what I want for my life. You know, I think it's, the, the best advice I would give you is you are going to have to have thick skin because mm -hmm. if there's anything that I have, noticed and it's sad because you would think as you know as we progress in society and life that the stigma would lift but I'm still always amazed at the the things that people believe that they can say to you for not having children and so I think it's it's sad and I hope that we will get away from that stigma but you know being being true to yourself and being confident in your decision but also knowing that you are going to have to 
you you will have to answer hard questions. You will you will be judged, but just is it, none of that matters because you made the decision that was best for you, mm-hmm. and live in that empowerment. Oh, I love that live in that empowerment. And is that something? Um, do you still get questions or rude comments, or is that kind of in the past? Oh yeah. In in December, I um, Andrew and I were actually moving, and I had sold some furniture. And a lady came to pick up the furniture and I was helping her load it. And she asked me if I had children. And I said, I don't, but my husband has two. And she literally said, oh, and I remember thinking, (laughs) are you pitying me? Are you pitying me? And, you know, it's, it's that type of thing that it's like this, this, you know, this, I, this was a choice, you know, but then, you know, there's other times when, you know, I, I've literally had an employee who worked for me ask me if I was going to have children. And I told her no. And she told me, you're ruining your life. You're going to have so many regrets. And my, my initial thought was, one, you work for me. But two <laughs> was, but two was how, how do you know I haven't tried to have children? How do you know right. that I can't have children? You know, it's, mm-hmm. I, I just, that's what I'm saying is that people, the, the, the things that people believe they have the right to say to you is still what's so astonishing to me, you know, because even though it was my choice not to have children, I think about the woman that's going to tell her someday that she's not having children that couldn't have children and her response. And I just think about how very painful that will be for that individual. Mm -hmm. And that makes me sad. Oh my gosh. Like you said, the people that think they have the right to say or to question something so personal, you, you know, heaven forbid somebody could have had a miscarriage that day or you could be trying or you don't know anybody's kind of path. Um, you know, the, that employee saying that you'll regret it. Is there any, is there anything that kind of gives you pause about regretting this decision? There's really not. I mean, like I said, I think if I wasn't, if I didn't have the relationship that I have with Darby Sutton and Charlie and Atticus, I think that, I can see where regret can creep into your life just because it's, it's the unknown. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, those four kids, they, they feel that for me. And that's, that's obviously the fulfillment that I needed in my life. And that's enough. And those four that, I mean, I don't think there's anything better. Mm. They fill your cup. They do. <laughs> some it days is, more than others. I was about to say some days <laughs> with stuff you probably don't want. Yeah. Well, this has been a, such a joy, and especially to hear your voice. Anything you want to share before we kind of hop off for the day? You know, I think just on the other side of this, for for those that when someone tells you that they're not going to have children, one of the one of the greatest mm. gifts that that ever happened was I remember my when I was going through my divorce, my, my brother sat down with me and he just said, he said, Krista, just tell me what you want. Just, and he said, and remember, he said, the truth will set you free. And, and I just looked at him and I said, Kyle, I don't think I want to have kids. And Kyle looked at me and he said, and Kyle had two kids by this point. And he said, and you know, that's okay. Right. Mm. It, the, the support and the weight that I felt lifted in that moment. And I never felt like Kyle, Kara, my mom, any of them would judge me for not having kids. But someone speaking it out loud and affirming that it was okay for me not to have children, that was probably one of the greatest gifts I've been given in my life was someone telling me, and someone so intimately close to me being my brother, 
telling me that it's, you know, it's okay. And for someone to use those words, you know, that's okay. Right. Was, was extremely freeing. And so I think the advice I would give too is not just to those women that are questioning, but to those people that someone tells you that uh, when a woman tells you that she's made the choice not to have children or she can't have children, your response is so very important to that woman and, and her, and her validation. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That gave me the chills. I think that is such a topic that Polly's not discussed enough about how to handle when somebody does say that, because I think oftentimes people think it's a flippant decision that it hasn't been thought over and thought over. And so when a woman makes this decision, probably almost 99% of the time, it is so personal and so thought through and so intentional. Um, And I think, you know, it's maybe I use the wrong term about validation, but I think the the support piece of it is, is what, Mm -hmm. is what they, is what that woman needs to hear in that moment. Absolutely. And when he said, and you know, that's okay. Did you at that moment realize it was okay? Or were you still struggling with that? No, I think, I think I knew it was okay, but someone saying it out loud just Mm -hmm. absolutely solidified it that it was because again, remember I was living in Lubbock, Texas, where all of my friends were having kids and babies. And, you know, it was always, when are you having a baby? When are you having a baby? And so for someone who'd grown up in that world and from that area and knew, and someone who'd had kids himself told me it was okay. It was very freeing. Oh, I love that. I think that's such, I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. And like you said, it's such a gift to have your desires validated by somebody Absolutely. and acknowledged that what you want for your life is okay. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I know it will inspire people out there to live their truth, even if it means leaving a marriage, moving cities, changing jobs, marrying somebody different that maybe wasn't on your plan, but just be bold in your decisions and follow what you want. So I know it will be very impactful. Well, thank you for having me. I I, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the visit. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I will talk to you soon. I had such a wonderful time talking with Krista. Like I said, we've been friends a really long time and I don't know that we've ever had this conversation. So it was fun for me to kind of explore this side of her um, in this podcast. And one thing she touched on the end, and I'm so extremely grateful she brought this up is that powerful conversation she had with her brother. Um, She talked about, you know, he kind of said, Hey, what's going on? You know, what do you want? And he said, the truth will set you free. And she had the courage to kind of tell her brother who was married with two kids. He may have either been a pastor at the time or coming out of the church that she did not want children. And he said, you know, that's okay, right? And for her to hear, you know, that's okay, right? When everything in her was saying, I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. I need to have this. But I am I weird for feeling this way? To hear that from somebody she loved just felt like a million bricks lifted off her shoulders and how that really gave her a sense that it was going to be okay. And that she had the support of her family. And I really encourage you, and this falls outside of the topic of being child-free, but obviously with as well, if somebody comes to you and they tell you they're really struggling with something of of going against the norm, whether it's being child-free or jobs change or anything else, or maybe even something that's happened to them in the past that they need to get off their shoulders, to give somebody the space to say what they want, um, to talk about their fears, to um, just be themselves in front of you, that is such an honor. So really being aware that if somebody comes to you with this, just listen. Um, 
and let them know that you love them and that it's okay. Even if you don't understand what they're going through, you may not even agree, but if they're coming to you, they're coming to you for a reason. So just give that space for them to kind of explore what that looks like. And I think that's such a great lesson um, for this and probably one that will be one of my big takeaways is, you know, you know, that's okay, right? It's okay to feel the way you do, even if I don't understand it. If I can support you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out. You can email me at holly at hollycrevo.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-K-R-I-V-O. And again, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And whatever it is you're going after in your life, whatever you're wanting for your life, remember, I'm rooting for you. Have a great day. Thank you.